I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to come to the last part of a series that we've been doing on the New Covenant, and this particular conclusion, it's part 5, and this is the, the last part of New Covenant Kings and Kingdom Authority. And so I, I'm going to review with some scriptures that we started with, and then we'll come to this conclusion today. Matthew chapter 3. I want to define for you the word kingdom. The kingdom means a state or a government that has a king. That which constitutes a realm having independent sovereign action and control. Now, this is unique from us as an American people because we don't have a king. And we don't have necessarily a kingdom. We have a country. And we have, we're a sovereign country ruled by a republic. And so in a kingdom, there is the king and the people are the subjects of the king and the king is responsible for the subjects and the subjects are delighted, if the king is good, to serve the king with their whole life. And so as it goes for the king, it goes for the people. So the people wanted to go very well for the king. Well, we serve the Lord Jesus. He is the king of this kingdom and we have been brought into his kingdom from the kingdom of darkness and death into the kingdom of light and life. And it's our privilege to be able to serve Jesus Christ. This is difficult for us as Americans to understand because we have rejected the thought of a kingdom and we have rejected the thought of a king. And sometimes we can do that to our detriment because we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is not a republic and it's not a democracy. It is run by Jesus Christ. And nobody sits on his council or his board. He is the sovereign ruler, and everything he does is right and just and good. And so we love him, and we owe him everything. He gave everything for us. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He would end an era or an age of prophets. The very next prophet that would come on the scene would be the Messiah. Jesus' prophet, priest, and king. So John is declaring to the people that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's very close. Jesus came and said the kingdom of God is here. Because he's the king. And he is invading this world. Now, in Luke chapter 16, if you will read with me just a few of these scriptures, in Luke 16, verse 16, it tells us this, the law and the prophets were until John, that's John the Baptist. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. The Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. This is the same analogy. You're pressing into the kingdom of God. There are many forces and demonic strategies that would keep you from God's kingdom. You, by faith, have to take that. You have to press into it. You have been given authority to come to God. Whoever will receive Jesus, God has given them the authority to become his sons and daughters. There's not a person in this room or that's watching us that can say, I do not have the power to become a Christian. I do not have the power. I made a covenant with the devil. I made a covenant with hell. And I'm in this covenant with them. That covenant does not have the power to keep you from God. 
If God gives you the authority to come to Jesus Christ and God breaks that covenant, it's already been paid for in full. And so since the time of John, the kingdom was preached. But since that time, or or the kingdom was coming, but since that time, now God's kingdom is preached in the world. In John 1.17, we understand what Jesus brings into the world because this is noting the end of the Old Testament prophets and the beginning of the new covenant when Jesus Christ would come. So in John 1 verse 17, it says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So what John preached as the end of Old Testament prophets was the law and Moses. And that's what he preached. That's what he knew. And he prophesied the coming of Jesus Christ and the coming of a new covenant. When Jesus came, then there was to be a new declaration. And it was not the preaching of Moses. Because Jesus brought something that was not here. Moses brought the law, but Jesus brought grace and truth. And the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom is the preaching of grace and truth. And if we're not preaching grace and truth, we're not preaching the proper message of the new covenant. That is the message that we are to declare. In Acts chapter 28, this is the last, the last chapter of this great book, we are told what they went out and did. And in Acts 28 verse 31, it says, this was Paul's manner preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence and no man forbid him or could stop him. And so this is what Paul was doing. Paul's manner was to preach the kingdom of God and he would teach things concerning Jesus Christ. He was teaching how Jesus Christ brought the kingdom of God, how Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophesied Messiah, and how there is salvation in him. This is all inclusive in the kingdom of God. And I just say that I believe in, in modern Christianity, over the last many decades, the kingdom of God being preached has been lost. It's been lost. It is very important, and the apostles understood that salvation was connected with entering to the kingdom of God. The salvation was not simply a heartless, verbal repetition of a sinner's prayer. But salvation was to literally enter into the kingdom of God. You pass from death to life. According to Colossians, you're translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. If that has not been your experience, you're in a lot of trouble. Now, you can know about the kingdom of God and you can know about salvation. But if you're not in this kingdom, then there's great trouble. Now, I want you to understand that when Jesus left the earth, he left the church on the earth. And the church is to continue to demonstrate the kingdom of God on earth. The church is not going to bring in paradise. The church is not going to overtake the world and turn it into Christianity. The church is not going to bring an end to all evil and all sin and all rules of the devil and throw the devil away and then say to Jesus, we've conquered the world, you can come back now. The church is not going to do that. Jesus is going to do that when he returns to the earth with the church. 
But what we have is a responsibility as Christians and as the church of Jesus Christ, which all of you should be very serious about if you have truly been born again, that you want to be a committed Christian to the body of Christ because the body of Christ is the demonstration of this kingdom in the earth. And your role in this is absolutely essential if God is going to have his glory in the world. And I would call the church many things, as the Bible refers to the church in many ways. It refers to the church as the church. It refers to the church as a body. It refers to the church as a house. And so I would say that we as the church represent the kingdom of God wherever we are. And that as a representation of the kingdom of God, we should be seen in our communities, if you will, as refuge stations or relief stations for people that are broken, people that are sinners, people that are tormented, people that are in need, people that are being hounded by the devil, people who know that they're about to go to hell, people who are living in darkness and depression and want to commit suicide. They should be able to know without a doubt that if I want to get to God, I need to get to the church because the church is the demonstration of that kingdom of God that's on the earth. And that's what it should be. It's sad what has become of the church. The church has become a group of spectators rather than participators. It has become a group of people who find a seat, listen, and then leave. But that was never the intention of Jesus Christ. The church was to be a cohesive body joined together in fellowship where they were able to encourage and edify one another and be a direct link of heaven on earth. That's the intention of God and the intention that I pray to God we all have a heart for. Jesus sent the church into the world as he was sent into the world. He said, I have come to destroy the works of the devil. He has sent us into the world to do the same. Jesus said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To heal those that are broken, to set free those that are captives, to bind up those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the same mission of the church. And the same anointing that was on Jesus is the same anointing that is given to the church of Jesus Christ. Now, you don't automatically get that, but it is yours to receive if you will ask for that anointing on your life. All authority has been given to Jesus Christ in heaven and earth. All authority is given to him. And Jesus said, I am with you always. So since Jesus has all authority and over all of heaven, all of earth, and Jesus is with you everywhere you go, he says to go. Go. The church should be going as an expression of the kingdom of heaven. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That, that means a, a ruling class of people. Because you know what an ambassador is. They do business on behalf of another kingdom. And we are aliens in this world representing another government. And we are here as the ambassadors of that kingdom affecting the rule. We're not here to barter and we're not here to compromise because Jesus Christ is coming to take over. And so what we are doing is we are instilling and declaring the government of the kingdom of heaven in the earth. It's impossible to do without the power that God wants to give us. 
So Acts chapter 1 talks about the power that is made available to Christians. Jesus refused to send his disciples into the world as his representatives until they were first endued with power. Though they believed in Jesus, witnessed the resurrection of Jesus, and they were born of Jesus, they were not endued with power, not until the Holy Spirit would come upon them. Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in all of the world. Your ability to serve as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, your ability to manifest the kingdom of God wherever you are, is only possible through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can be an arbiter between the heaven and earth, but you have no power. You're just simply declaring facts, but there's no power in that. Nobody's being saved by your life. Nobody's coming into the kingdom of God. The the church has not been added to as a result of your salvation. But if the baptism in the Holy Spirit occurs, people are beginning to see Christ in you and they are being brought into the kingdom of God because you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I don't have time to read it, but note 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when it talks about the role of an ambassador, it tells us that God is in you compelling men to come to Christ. And without that power of God in our life, then we really don't have power. So ask yourself the question, how many people have I brought to Jesus Christ? How many people have I led from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? How many people have I brought from death to life as a result of the power of the Holy Spirit upon my life, serving as an ambassador of the kingdom of God? How many people? We can continue in religious tradition. We can continue in religious fundamentals. But where is the power of God on our life? We are to be making a difference in this world. And so that's the purpose of being an ambassador. That is the power that we have, the authority we have as an ambassador. We should be bringing people with us into the kingdom, bringing people with us to church because we're discipling people. It's not about getting people to say a sinner's prayer with us. It's about discipleship. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 28, to go and teach men. That means make disciples of men. That means that when people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, you stay with them and they stay with you and you teach them everything you can about Jesus Christ so that you're going to be with them on a weekly basis. They're going to go with you to church. They're going to fellowship with you. They're going to, to, to be nursed from the nutrients of your life in Christ. Where are they? Where are those people? And so it's important for us to be able to understand this. Now, there is a place, and there should be a place, and there are multiple places all over the world that are representations of the kingdom of God. That's why there's an urgency within the heart of the church of Jesus Christ to do something in the 1040 window. That, that is the window of our world where the people are unreached. There's, there's no church. There's no gospel. And so there are billions of people that are living in this window who are being haunted by Satan 
destroyed by the powers of hell and they have no church to run to. That there's no refuge for them. There is no relief for them. And the compassions of the Holy Spirit cannot tolerate that. He wants to reach those people. He wants to establish a refuge center, if you will, called the church in those areas. And that's what the church needs to be. We must never pervert the church from being a representation of the kingdom of God. But beloved, I want to say to you that the church in America is greatly and grossly perverted from what God originally intended it to be. There's a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of joy, a lack of life, a lack of the gifts of the Spirit, a lack of the power of God in in churches all across America. And so people that come into our churches wanting God oftentimes leave without finding the relief and the hope and the deliverance that we profess is in Jesus Christ. All right? Now, now God makes available to us the very power that they need to be set free. But we have to choose to walk in that power. We have to choose to be the church of Jesus Christ and to do everything that God would want us to do. And so I want you to understand that there is a place on earth where the lost and the broken can find relief. These are relief or refuge stations, if you will, which is the church. Jesus said that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. What did he mean by this? He didn't mean the cold statements of prayer. He didn't even really mean just prayer gatherings. But he meant people praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. He meant that my house is a house of prayer. He meant and fully intended this is where heaven and earth are joined right there. And when Jesus was making this declaration that my house should be called a house of prayer, he was running out of the temple, the money changers. He was running out of the temple, the religion that had overtaken it. And when Jesus cleaned it out, the sick and the lame and the diseased and the demon possessed ran into that house and he healed them all and they were delivered. That's what he meant by it. He didn't, he didn't just mean we come and say prayers. But he meant that there is a connection between this place and heaven and the lost know it. And I'm about to lose my baby in the emergency room. I'm running to the church. God is there. And that's what he meant by that. And when we pervert that and say prayers with no power, no Holy Spirit, no life, no animating life of God in us, then we have got to repent and get on our faces and understand it has to be the kingdom of God. It has to be that. And you have to see, you have to know that this has been lost in America for decades. But God is reviving it. He is bringing it back because it's what he wants and it's what he desires. And so the people that are running into the church should find the kingdom of God. They should find the kingdom of God. And what I specifically mean by that is what Paul said in Romans chapter 14. And I'll just quote it to you. The kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. It is in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
And that's what it means that the church is the house of prayer. Or the church is the demonstration of God's kingdom on the earth. That when a person comes into the church of Jesus Christ, there they're going to provide, be presented with the righteousness that comes by faith. Not the righteousness of Moses, which is meat and drink, but the righteousness that comes by faith. They are going to have immediate access with God and be granted peace with God through the Holy Spirit. And they are going to be given joy by being in the presence of the Lord. That's, it is our obligation to the king to keep the church that way. We must keep the church that way. The pulpit can't do it. The praise team can't do it. You have to do that. You're the people of God. You're the ministers of God. Read Ephesians chapter 4. I'm not the minister of God. I'm the pastor. But Ephesians 4 says you are the ministers of God. We have to keep the church that way. By keeping ourselves that way. Our temple that way. Very, very important. So if the, if the kingdom of God is a government... Then I just want to give you a few aspects of this union between heaven and earth. And, and it does involve a lot of prayer. And so I just want to talk to you about this for a few moments more that we have. The government of God demands a church to act on earth so heaven can. The government of God demands the church to act on earth. So heaven can. Most of the time our prayers are prayers that are somewhat accusatory of God. Why don't you help us? Why don't you answer? God, please bring revival. God, please bring an awakening. Look at our culture. Look at our world. Look what's happening to our families. And and it's as though we are pleading with God and cannot comprehend why isn't heaven moving? But the problem's not with heaven. The problem is on earth. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, as he was describing the authority he was placing in the church, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Heaven is waiting for us to truly act by faith so that heaven can enact its rule in the earth. The government of God demands and requires the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is part of the baptism in the Holy Ghost. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, I would say, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of charisma, meaning it's free. It's a gift of grace. You don't earn these gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're given to you through your relationship and fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. Absolutely every gift that is needed to, be, to reach humanity can come through your individual life. But the beauty of it is, is that all of us are to have the Holy Spirit. And because all of us have the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit should function through every one of us. Not only in church, but in our workplaces, and in our communities, and in our supermarkets, and in our hospitals. The gifts of the Holy Spirit should operate in our lives, in our homes, and in our families. But all too often, we see ourselves walking in the flesh rather than the Spirit. 
We're bound up with the fear of man and what man may think about me. Or I'm scared, or I'm afraid to fail, or I'm afraid to do something wrong. When God hasn't given us that spirit of fear. God gives us the spirit of love and power and of a sound mind. And so oftentimes the gifts of the spirit, though they are there, they're bound up within the people of God. Even this morning. Have we discerned anything that God wants to do in this service? Have we discerned any need that's in this room? Did we pray a heartfelt prayer in the Holy Ghost for Jeff and Andrew in the Dominican Republic and CJ? Did we pray and believe God for an anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon us today? God only knowing who might come, what suicidal situation we might have to deal with, our demon oppression that we might have to deal with today. And we prayed in the Holy Ghost that God, let your spirit move through me today. Words of wisdom and knowledge and gifts of faith and miracles and tongues and interpretation of tongues. We need all of you. We need all of you to move. I mean, really believe in God for that. That's what the church is supposed to be. We can't let it be less than that. Do you understand? We can't let it be less than that. The platform ministers can do everything to try to have that. But if the church out here doesn't respond to the heart, what God is doing together, we won't have it. It will be a conflict. Let's move. Let's move. Let's get in the altars. Let's get in the altars. And it's like, what's going on? Where's the gifts of the Spirit? Where's the outflow of the Holy Ghost? Where's the life of the Spirit? The seeking of God, the passion for God in our spirits and in our hearts. We have to produce that and keep that for the glory of God. We must release the water of life. We must release the Spirit influence upon people. Every member should function. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to profit everybody. That's what First Peter says. The gifts are for the profit of all. It's not for your personal benefit. It's supposed to come out of you to benefit everyone else. And so it's very important that we understand it. The earth or the church on earth must first bind and then heaven will bind. We must first loose and then heaven will loose. We cannot do this apart from the Holy Spirit. It's not our rogue authority or power or desires. It is the communion of the Holy Spirit. Paul had to lay his hands on those men at Ephesus. Peter had to go to Cornelius' house. Paul had to tell the demon and the girl and command it. Peter and John had to give the lame man what they had. There is something that we have to do. And thank God we get to. But it's always through grace and in the power of the Holy Spirit. The government of God exercises power over the enemy through the body of Christ. Not simply through individual Christians alone, but through the body of Christ. 1 John 4 says, as he is, so are we in this world, not me. I cannot be the church by myself. You hear some people say that, you know, well, I'm the church. No, you're not. You're part of it. But if you were the only one, there wouldn't be a church. The church is made up of many parts, but one body. We are the church. 
and to do what God wants to do in the world today and to defeat the powers of darkness today, it takes we, us, to be able to do those things and to affect that. And this is where we find the prayer meeting to be so very, very important. Because the prayer meeting, the house of prayer, where heaven and earth touch, the people of God on earth are filled with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are operating and they're moving. And we're beginning to beseech God. And we begin to pray for Baton Rouge. We begin to pray for our city. We begin to pray, God, what do you want to do? Or or say, for example, we've got this huge outreach at LSU on Thursday night. God only knows what we're going to face. God only knows the opposition that might come up against us. God only knows this is a hostile world. I mean, somebody was attacked in Florida because they were they were campaigning for DeSantis. We're campaigning for somebody that the world hates more than DeSantis. God only knows what we're going to face Thursday night. But how about having a people of God who come before God in prayer and say, God, what do you want to do at that worship night? What do you want to do on the LSU campus? And somebody says, I have a word of knowledge. And another person says, and I've got a word of wisdom for that. And other people say, look, I just got faith for this. I have a gift of faith operating in my life. And I'm believing for miracles. And all of a sudden, people throughout the church are beginning to hear things from the Holy Spirit. And the church witnesses it in the prayer meeting. And we agree. And before we ever go out there, we have success. Rather than going out there on Thursday night praying in our cars and hoping that something good's going to happen. Before that, before that night ever comes, we can already affect the heavens for Thursday night. That's what the prayer meeting's about. That's the urgency of it. That's the necessity of it. To pray, to believe God, for the gifts of the Spirit to operate. Because not everybody's an ear or a mouth or a hand or a foot. So you may see something that other people can't see because they're not eyes to see it. But somebody else is going to hear something that you can't hear because they are ears and you're not. And so you're going to be able to see something and tell the church. Somebody else is going to hear something and tell the church. Somebody else is going to feel something and tell the church. And somebody's going to be feats and say, I'll take it to them. I'll go out there with it. Takes all of it. A pastor's not everything. A pastor's not eyes, ears, nose, feet, and hands and does everything. We've, we've fought that for decades in the church of Jesus Christ. That's how we've perverted it. We've looked to the professional ministry to do all of the work when God never intended it to be that way. We all have to pray in fellowship and communion in love. Believe in God and faith that God is going to tear down the principalities and powers of, the, of, of this darkness. We are one of the worst cities in the nation. I'm not saying we're going to bring paradise on earth. But could we at least not move up in the list of better places to live? Where is the church of Jesus Christ making the difference and the influence? For the government of God to be fulfilled, it demands the fellowship of the church. And I'm just going to ask you to read with me in Ephesians chapter 3 as we conclude this. Because I I just pray the passion in my heart is for the king. It really is for God. That God would have a church that he died to have. And not the church that tradition has made. Or not the church that religion would try to make. 
But we would be fresh in the Holy Spirit. We would be absolutely biblical. And we would walk with God in every way. And the Bible says this in Ephesians 3 verse 9. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. I'm going to ask you a question. Can the principalities and powers in heavenly places know the manifold wisdom of God apart from the fellowship of the church? No. It cannot. Do you love the king? Do you love the king? Is the king worth your life? Is the kingdom worth your sacrifice? Is the kingdom worth overcoming our personal excuses as to why we cannot? Is the kingdom worth it? I venture to say that I've never met a more godly man, a more broken man than Keith Hendry. And the closer he was getting to heaven the more you could see heaven in his eyes. The prophecies that would come from him to this church were rich. Sometimes, from this platform, I could hear his stomach as the cancer was eating him up. I would watch him stand doubled over the back chair in agony and pain. Suffering at the door of heaven as his body was shutting down. Declaring, it's all for the king. Maybe he has something for me to give to you, Lee. And boy, did he give it. Many, many times. That's the sacrifice. That's the impression. Nancy. So weak she could hardly get out of bed. I can remember it. I think it was right here on this side of the room when she said, Lee, give me the mic. Yes, ma'am. She had barely strength to get out of bed. She had hardly any strength to, to breathe, much less say a word. And that woman, for about five minutes... Spoke and prophesied with such strength to this church. For the king. For the king. For the kingdom. It's people that have the faith and the heart for the king. That he might have the glory and the desires that he's always wanted. The fellowship of the church is necessary if Jesus is going to have his wisdom demonstrated to principalities and powers. You know what that tells me? What an honor. Praise God. You have allowed me to participate in the greatest thing in the universe. And to serve you, the greatest king, the greatest lover I could ever know. It's just, it's just such an honor. There's nothing else. That is more important.
or that could trump this. So I just want to close. This is something that I had written. I want to share this with you. It's kind of my prayer. It is my prayer that our hearts, our families, and our personal devotion would rise to the highest privilege of serving the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we give our whole selves to be in the soldiers of Jesus Christ. May we see his glory rise above the rot of a godless society. May we see his light be the means by which so many may see the way. May we herald his gospel as proud prophets who have the courage to unleash its power over the gates of hell. Those powers of hell which cause more devastation upon our families, our souls, and our beloved country than any nation, war, or threat has ever brought. Oh God, would you put heaven's courage in us to fight side by side, to fight for each other and with each other and never against each other. When God listed the valiant warriors, it was always those who knew how to pray. Men and women that had an understanding of the presence of God. The greatest thing anyone can do for God and man is pray. It's not the only thing, but it is the chief thing. The great people of earth are the people who pray. I do not mean those who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor yet those who can explain prayer. But I mean those people who actually pray. While we lay on our beds, multitudes in our city are being slaughtered in the night. The carnage is everywhere. On our streets, in our schools, in the highest offices of government. Dear God, let us know our value before your throne. Let us know the power and possibility there with you and those who are at your feet. Don't falter, my friend. Be the fuel of every prayer meeting. Shake off your slumber. Put on the Holy Ghost and pray. When you want to sleep, stir yourself. Hear the bombs. See the slavery of the masses. You who once served a kingdom perishable, Give your all to the King of glory. We are in a great spiritual battle between the very forces of heaven and hell. All our combined effort, time, wealth, and ability are not adequate to hold back the destruction of our nation. We must pray. Today the crisis is acute. The danger is imminent. Time is running out. Fight, my dear friend. Fight in the prayer meetings. Unleash the gospel power into the streets once again. Let them see Jesus as never before. Father, I thank you that you've called us to such a high and holy and wonderful life. To be able to live with you. To be in intimate fellowship with you. It's not in rules. It's not in ordinances. 
It's not even in the memorization of Scripture. The ability to dissect a text. It's not in going to church. Father, help us to understand it's in fellowship, relationship, and intimacy with you. And Lord, as we draw nearer and nearer to you, the things that affect your heart will affect us. What matters to you will matter to us. We will hear what you hear. We will hear the cries of the babies. We will hear the desperation of the suicidal who want to end their life. We will hear the wails of the abused woman, the battered child. We'll hear the lost who seem to have no hope as they're facing their final judgment. Because that's what you hear. And Lord, we will be desperate for the Holy Spirit to anoint us to bring the revelation of Jesus Christ to our communities once again. It is possible with you. And dear God, I pray that we at First New Testament Church will take the responsibility to let this be a relief station, a refuge station for people that are running out of hell, running out of death, running out of despair, and are hoping for life, that they'll come here and they'll find the kingdom of heaven. They won't find dead religion. They won't find mean people, gossipers and slanderers. But they'll find the kingdom of heaven. They'll find righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Help us, God, to have a heart to keep a church like that in the world and to produce as many as we possibly can. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just take a moment, pray, just consider in these altars, God has made you a king. Exercise your authority. Step up to it. Step up to it and believe God. Call is going to lead us for just a moment, but just make an altar, pray, sit before God. Just don't let this leave out of your heart and your mind by leaving too quickly.